0: Stories open our mind and world to possibilities, opportunities, and realities. Some stories inspire you. Some stories define you. Some stories create you. Some stories nurture you. Some stories pose the questions. Some stories provide the answers. Some stories take you to a dream world. Some stories bring you back to the real world. Welcome to the podcast Story Pod with Nishila. In this show, you can tune into stories with amazing people across the world. Through these stories, you will listen to ideas that matter, real world insights, and positive inspiration. I am Nishila Murthy Kauship, Chief Storyteller and Vice President at HFS Research, and your host for this podcast. In this series, the Shiro Diaries. You will hear from women leaders across the globe on their personal life and career journey, choices and decisions which influence them, and reflections from these experiences. Are you ready for stories that can change your life? Our guest for today is Eva Sage-Gavin. In her role as a senior managing director in Accenture's Talent and Organization or Human Potential Practice, Eva helps clients harness digital technologies and evolve their workforces to innovate, unlock human potential, and drive transformation. She's also a faculty member and mentor at Santa Clara University for the Corporate Board Ready Program to prepare women and racially diverse candidates for board director opportunities. Firstly, welcome to the show, Eva. It's an absolute pleasure and honor to have you as part of the series. In our first segment, Shiro in the Spotlight, you get to know her childhood, family, education and career journey, which have brought her here. So Eva, I'll start with the first uh, fun and interesting question, something which I've done with people of all age groups, just for us to know you a little bit better. If you had to describe yourself in three words, each word starting with the first letter of your name, what would those words be? Well, Anishala, thank you for asking that. And uh,
1: that is a fun way to start. So um, I'll start with the E. <laughs> and um, I would say for E, it would be ever open to opportunity. <laughs> for the mm-hmm. B, it would be varied experiences. And for the A, it would be the idea of um, awesome and positivity and looking at the world for potential.
0: Wow, that's a wonderful and very powerful way to describe yourself, Eva. I'm really excited about talking to you to learn more about your life and journey and what lies ahead. So Eva, if we did a time travel back to childhood, uh, what do you believe was the role of your family in shaping your belief systems and where you stand today?
1: As I think about those early days, um, the role of my mom um, and my aunt as two professional educators Was extraordinarily impactful to me. My mom was a first grade teacher for 38 years, and uh, we grew up in a single parent family. So, the opportunity to see that education and lifelong education was equal to access to opportunity, and then the chance to live that over the last 40 years of my career. Uh, has been that early foundation, which I will be forever grateful to uh, my Aunt Rose and and my mother, uh, an amazing first grade teacher.
0: Okay, so let's talk a little bit about education, right? I know you said that it provides access to opportunities, but, you know, if you can talk a little bit more about why do you think it is important and why do you think everyone should actively pursue some form of education and learning? Thank you for asking that. And
1: and when I think about how I spend my time, my passion and um, my community and compassion work is access to opportunity for everyone. Um, In my case, um, because I grew up in a single parent family, I didn't have the financial means to go to the university of my dreams. Uh, My mother encouraged me to be fearless and uh, applied to Cornell University, knowing I did not have the financial means to go to an esteemed university like Cornell. I'm so glad that she did push me to be fearless and to imagine possibility because I got in and not only did I get in, but I got the financial support, financial assistance and scholarships um, that allowed me to graduate. So when I really think about this idea of access to opportunity, um, the idea of opening up channels for people to bring all of their gifts and creating financial support and pathways where they can then not only benefit, but then they can bring others with them. Uh, It is now 40 years later, and I am so honored to continue to serve Cornell. I'm executive in residence at the Industrial and Labor Relations Schools. One of the biggest benefits is the chance to give back as executive in residence, um, you know, as uh, preparing and launching the modern CHRO program. So the first half of it is um, benefactor and uh, financial support. The second half is giving back and opening doors for others when they've been opened for you. And so those are the two things that had the greatest impact in terms of education, opportunity and uh, making a difference in
0: society. That's wonderful to hear, Eva. I think it's very rare to find corporate leaders who are very actively and passionately associated with education and furthering the cause of education. So I wish you good luck in your role as an educator and influencer for education and opportunities as you move forward. Let's talk a little bit about your professional journey and you know, how that has panned out in the past couple of decades. Can you share some of the key highlights of your career and talk about some of the most important choices you made to come so far?
1: Well, thanks so much. Um, if I think about my career and the privilege to work for what we would call industry leaders, the two big areas that emerge for me are technology and consumer. And um, you know, years ago, when I was starting my career journey post-Cornell, it was uh, traditional to have a long career, and uh, we would call it hire to retire. And I took a non-traditional path, Nishala. I actually looked at what are the opportunities for industry leadership, for disruption, and to bring economic value, uh, but societal value. That led me to technology companies for about half my career, and it led me to consumer companies for half my career. And you know the brands from my resume, Pepsi, Disney, Gap, and then the early years at Xerox and Microsystems, and then in the later part of my career, three technology boards. So I think the subtle theme here, and I hope for those that might be listening, is know who you are, do what you love, and look for the opportunity to be able to add value fearlessly. And um, I've been so privileged to be a first in many areas, especially a first um, on two public technology boards. Uh, and I think that being a first allows you to bring new networks, think about clients and customers in new ways, and then open door for others uh, to bring uh, new knowledge, uh, new avenues, and, and ultimately new value. So that's what it, that I would reflect on, on, on uh, my diverse and uh, unique
0: journey. That's wonderful to hear, Eva. It is indeed very unique and very inspiring. But I'm just curious to know, what do you feel gave you the the courage and confidence and conviction to be so clear about uh, how you would take an unconventional career path? Well, well, thank
1: you. It actually takes us back to that first question you asked, which was early success experience. Um, <laughs> when I was uh, in what we would call middle school in the U.S., um, I uh, signed up for what used to be called home economics. And I said, well, I'm, I'm going to ask to enroll in wood shop and metal shop. And I was told, well, no girls can be in wood shop and metal shop. And I said, well, wait a minute, I'm in a single parent family. I actually, my mother does a lot of the, um, you know, handy repair work around our older home. I, I don't know these things and I want to learn them. Um, so I had to go in front of the uh, school authorities to get permission to be the first girl ever in woodshop uh, wood shop and metal shop. I got approval and my mother helped me prepare to give a presentation on the business reason why I wanted that or the person who ran business. I was 12 years old and that changed my life that you can make constructive change you can learn new things that would be seen as non-traditional and what I'm most excited about is after I went through the class I got an A in both classes and I got a lot of help I made a hammer and I made a shadow box but they changed it the next year for both young, young men and young women to working with wood working with metal They also changed it, um, home economics to be uh, more about life skills. And so this theme of not only accessing new disruptive opportunities um, and changing, but bringing others with you so everyone can benefit is how I navigated my career and found that unique combination of consumer tech and seeing the intersection. And it was rooted in um, my positive experience and support when I was 12 years old, changing a school system.
0: Wow, Eva, that is quite a story. It seems like you've always challenged conventional norms, traditional ways of thinking, or boundaries which are existing due to legacy and history. So that's wonderful. As you might know, the theme for this year's International Women's Day is Choose to Challenge. Uh, So Eva, I'm curious to know, what do you choose to challenge in 2021?
1: Well, you know, this is such an important year for so many ways. But one thing I challenge, uh, Nishala, is that we are at 1984 representation levels for women in technology. 1984 is the year I moved from the East Coast to this amazing, vibrant West Coast in the Silicon Valley and Palo Alto Research Center teams and El Segundo. Imagine if I said to you that we had the 1984 uh, GDP, we'd have a global economic crisis. How can we have 1984 representation levels for women in technology? I am hoping, Nishala, it is a moment in time. We know the pandemic has had a disproportionate impact on women and women overall in the workforce are at 1988 representation levels. And I choose to challenge that we can't restore this amazing talent pool to the workplace even better than the roles that they left. I choose to challenge that we can restore back to historic representation levels, that we can do even better, and that we can bring people back to really good jobs for which they're a great skill match and that they're uh, a cheap pay uh, equity. That's the vision that I'm holding in my mind because we can't go back to 1984 and lose all that capability of this global female workforce.
0: Wow, Eva, I do hope your vision turns into reality someday. So, cheers to that. segment you will hear ashiro share her thoughts and experiences around leadership and life lessons so eva as a leader what do you think are the most important dimensions for organization to consider when building diverse and truly inclusive enterprises
1: so when i think about solving for getting the best talent in the world to your organization the idea of solving unsolvable problems and using new tools and technology to find people, to give them access to opportunity is a brave new world for us. So number one, for me, would be this idea of look in non-traditional places to ensure your outreach includes those who either have the skills today or could have skills tomorrow to do amazing work. Number two, have concrete, detailed steps to invest in that talent so they can unleash their own potential. And I'll mention one example of how to do that. And then number three, use data, metrics, transparency, and authenticity. This is a hard challenge. I mentioned earlier in the interview that our workforce participation levels for women have dropped into the 80s. But we are smart. We're resilient. We can figure out a way to reverse that, just like we were able to bring vaccines you know, in record time to humanity to begin to tackle COVID. So those would be the three things. And then my final point would be Technology is allowing us to see people's full skills and capabilities in a way that we couldn't have many years ago. Don't be limited in thinking that an individual can only do this job if they have these three skills. Look at their logical adjacencies. Look at their skills and capabilities without badging or limiting them and unleash their potential um, the way that we often do at Accenture. By uh, looking at um, their ability to learn, to go into new fields, to have on-the-job training, give people credit for that, especially for women and underrepresented minorities and communities.
0: Sure, thanks, Eva. I'd now like you to talk a little bit about you know the gender sort of uh, you know aspects with respect to your own team in the company and how has it been and what has been the journey and the personal experiences around building your own team.
1: Well, thank you so much. You know, we made a commitment here at Accenture to uh, achieve uh, gender equality and parity by 2025, and I joined in January of 2018. So I am thrilled to report that our team is over 60% represented uh, in terms of gender. And you know what I'm even more proud of, that we are over 60% of our leaders are represented by gender. So we have exceeded our uh, goal of 50-50 by 2025, and we got there early. Why? Because we looked at skills, talents, capabilities, and sought to accelerate people's careers, giving them access to skills, education, and client work that allowed them to grow, learn, and and show their performance. But that's not the only aspect. Racial diversity is critical as well, um, and that needs special attention, focus, and commitment So there's always work to do, but I'm very proud that we have achieved over 60% gender representation and over 60% in leadership. So it's fair and balanced.
0: That's great to hear, uh, Eva. I think that's something you and your team should be absolutely proud about. But I'm just curious to know know, your thoughts on what are some of the -the on-the-ground programs or initiatives or support systems that you have? enabled for women in the workplace to ensure that you reach this level of maturity?
1: Yeah, it's such a great question to talk about enabling support systems. So I mentioned that we've seen the pandemic disproportionately affect women and families. Many have used the phrase, we're seeing a she session with this um, exit of women from the workforce. You know, here at Accenture, there are two initiatives that I've personally experienced and my team has Experience is highly favorable. One's called Thriving Minds. It's a partnership with um, Thrive Global and Ariana Huffington. And it allows us to have resources and ability to tap into an online support where we have different tools and micro steps to help us deal with the stress and uh, the really difficult challenges of navigating through the pandemic. Stress for our families, stress for us as individual executives. Since the program was launched in the first few months, well over 100, 150,000 people took the program. I myself have taken it and simple things like that breathing, you know, knowing what style of response one has to stress, understanding and embracing that and taking a pause throughout um, the workday. Uh, shortening meetings so there's a walk break, um, and using technology to make sure that you get up and you move uh, so it's good for your physical health. These are um, simple things, but they make a big difference. The second one is that family support. I want to thank Ellen Shukra, the Chief Leadership and HR Officer for Accenture. One of the programs that she put in was uh, support through Bright Horizons Two of my employees in the last 30 days had serious elder care issues with their um, parents needing uh, in-home care. When we think about um, support, we often think of children, and that's incredibly important, but they use this uh, program through Accenture and Bright Horizons to arrange for help for elder care because um, many of those resources are constrained. And they were um, so relieved to have that kind of support that could get their parents with they needed for in-home care, but it also allowed them as very senior executives on my team to have peace of mind, to be able to help our clients who are often under great pressure and anxiety with their own workforces. So those are two examples that the reason why we see this great gender representation and progress is because um, concrete tools are given to us that help us live as a whole person through the challenges of this Really tough time right now.
0: Wonderful to hear that. Eva, my next question is around your role as the CHRO. What, in your opinion, can CHROs do in ensuring workplace equality? And what priorities should they be championing to drive long term sustainable change?
1: You know, I'm a former CHRO for served in HR for 35 years, and it's such an incredibly important role in championing equality and access to opportunity. I think there's three things, you know, in my experience that really make a difference. Number one, this idea of thinking without limits, looking at potential and possibility in non traditional ways. So, for example, I work with a partner called Skyhive, and we often go in and look at talent pools, not on traditional means of what university did you go to, what was your degree, but we actually look at life skills experiences and a person's full capability and find new hidden talent pools that we can actually train and enable to do jobs of today and tomorrow. It's based on competencies versus um, education's credentials, ethnicity or agenda. And I cannot tell you what a difference that kind of fresh technology uh, and new analytics is making to many CHROs who want to break through these barriers. You know, the second one is a, a pay according to worth. There's a, a day every year called equal pay day um, for the number of days women must work longer to be able to get equal pay. In the U.S. this year, Neuchella, it's March 24th, and it symbolizes how far into the year women must work to earn what men earned. Well, how do we change that? If we're gonna bring women back from the 1984 representation level to 2021, why not bring them back with equal pay? That power is in our hands in the next 90 days and CHROs are at the center of that. But my final piece of advice is um, a holistic perspective on thinking about an individual and this idea that we call at Accenture caring to do better, If we look at the modern workforce, people are no longer looking for just a job and a paycheck. They want to be aligned with an organization where they have shared mission and purpose. They want to be safe, whether they're connected remotely or directly. They want to have interactivity with their colleagues and to learn and to grow. So we've um, come up with a model of looking at all the aspects of a healthy workforce And we're working with CHROs to consider um, those aspects of uh, mission, learning, ability to relate to colleagues um, and be connected to a workforce that treats them as a whole individual. That's the CHRO leadership of today and tomorrow.
0: Wow, Eva, thank you so much. That's a very insightful response. And it's obviously come from somebody who's been there and done that and thought about it in a very deep and meaningful and holistic way. Eva, you've had a very impressive, inspiring, and illustrious career. So I'm just curious to know how do you manage to navigate between your professional commitments and personal responsibilities? What approaches, solutions, support systems, or technology have used in your journey so far?
1: You know, um, this is a I think a lifelong challenge, and um, I don't profess to be an expert, but I do profess to be open-minded. The idea that I shared with you about can we as chief HR officers leave people net better off, you know, to care for that whole person? I believe in the same in our personal lives. So I just gave you an example a minute ago about two of the most senior women on my team needing help with elder care and having this amazing resource with Alan Shook's team and human resources at Accenture and Bright Horizons. I look at my life the same way that at any given day, have I blocked time for family? Have I blocked time for my own wellness? And have I blocked time for community and connection? Because work is so compelling. Um, Much of my day is serving clients and helping them with really tough problems. And it's very energizing, but read energizing can be tiring. And so I literally use technology to track my day. I compete with my 25 year old daughter with my uh, fitness band. Every day she uh, we seek to equal or outdo each other on movement, on exercise and do we stand during the day. I also use new technologies like in uh, the case of uh, the mirror, to learn that exercise doesn't have to be a one hour class, right? Here in California, unfortunately, we're not back in Pilates class but I now can take a floor Pilates class and I can do 15 minute sprints. So this idea of, um, whole person care, um, we have to put the oxygen mask on ourselves that we are in a triathlon right now. And you have to train for that every day and then have a fitness buddy. In my case, it's my daughter, Christina, who keeps me honest. And at the end of the week, if she, um, it significantly exceeds my workout. We have a little coaching session, and uh, and I try to do better the next week. Not as a role model, but as a person who lives in the real world um, and grapples with this, but does seek to be healthy, well connected, and and frankly, to care. I love having my girlfriend chats and um, time walking the dogs, and uh, most importantly, time with my husband of thirty years uh, in the evenings, and I and I keep that as precious protected, boundary managed time for my soul to get up the next day and bring my best self.
0: That's wonderful to hear, Eva. It seems like you're using a bit of collaboration and a bit of competition with your daughter to keep going in this journey. And I think that's wonderful, right? As moms or parents, you know, creating an environment at home where you are partnering with family to invest in your health is a great way to keep at it in the long run. So good luck with that. Thank you so much, Eva, for for sharing your thoughts and perspectives around leadership and life. We now move into the last segment where we'd like to have some fun with a bunch of rapid fire questions. The only precondition is you take no more than three seconds to start your answer. So are you ready? I'm ready, Nishala. <laughs> Okay, so what was the last movie you saw and any thoughts about it?
1: Nomadland, Francis McDormand, and um, I have traveled 3.1 million miles and someday dream of using all those miles to go the places in the world I still haven't gotten to.
0: Okay, so let's say you could use all those miles and go wherever you want. Tell me three places in the world that you'd love to go for a holiday to. Australia,
1: Hawaii, and Canada.
0: Wow. They're very different places, and I'm sure you'll have a lot of fun traveling across the world. So when did you last take a flight, Eva?
1: March 6th, right before the pandemic. I actually returned from um, London, Han, and Chicago on a, a big last global tour.
0: So you're almost clocking a year on that one. Wonderful.
1: Absolutely. The quietest travel year I've ever had in my life. Okay. So why do you love your work, Eva? I love my work because I get to solve unsolvable problems uh, that have impact every day. And I roll up my sleeves side by side with people who are um, facing tough challenges. Seeing them soar makes me so proud.
0: Wonderful to hear that, Eva. So who is the best boss you worked with and why?
1: Ann Mulcahy, I worked for her in the 1980s when I made my bridge into technology and she ultimately became the CEO, uh, not only of Xerox, but of. Um, she was the chair of Save the Children. She is extraordinary. And I remember um, how rare it was to have a female CEO and a leader uh, from the 80s. Um, Anne, uh, if you're listening, you're very special to me. And uh, I, I want to thank you.
0: Wonderful. Which superpower would you love to have and why, Eva? For Christmas, I've watched
1: Wonder Woman 84, and I love her lasso of truth because I think truth and transparency are the beginning of positive change. If you know what needs to be fixed um, and you can talk about it openly, I do think we can do anything together.
0: Wow, that's a great and powerful thought, Eva. So, my last question is will you ever exchange a good night's sleep with anything?
1: I love international and global travel. And I have to admit, I've sometimes shortchanged my uh, sleep to wake up in a country that I've never been to and to meet teammates that I'm meeting for the first time. And I cannot wait to have the privilege of doing that again as soon as it's safe
0: to travel. On that note, Eva, I wish you get on a plane soon and meet all your colleagues, co-workers, friends, leaders and people from across the world whose lives you continue to touch, inspire and make a positive difference to. Thank you so much, Eva, for this wonderful conversation. Really appreciate you taking the time to do this.
1: Neuchella, it's my pleasure. And if I find myself in your community, it would be wonderful to see you in person. And thank you for this honor today. I've really, really enjoyed it. Thank you for doing this.